Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I'm going to be picking up today as the second part of a series that we started last week called the Mastermind Series. So this is the second part and the final part. And it kind of, um, there's some things I wanted to say in this, but it also has an angle on some of the things we've been looking at today with dedication as well. And that's some kind of link there. First, first of all, I just want to look at what we looked at last week, just kind of recapping on it on, on part one. And that was about us spotting the enemy, seeing in our minds that we understand when we're Christians, when we believe in Jesus, the moment we have the decision to follow him, how many of you know there's a battle in your mind? And you you almost, if someone told you about the battle, you probably wouldn't choose to follow Jesus because you'd be like, well, this sounds, this sounds hard work. But don't let anyone ever tell you that being a Christian is all about having a halo above your head and living this life that you don't have any problems anymore. Because actually, sometimes and most of the time, when you become a Christian, you're more observant and aware of the issues. Okay? So what I was looking at in this Mastermind series is looking at our minds and dealing with our minds and ways of, 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 of spotting. One of the things was to spot the enemy. To identify when the enemy is trying to speak to us, trying to get us to do things and, and dragging us away. The Bible says that the, 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 the enemy tries to lure us away, but it's our evil lusts inside sometimes are the things that drag us away and entice us. We can't always blame the devil as it were. And then next I was looking at your true position in Christ. We need to remember our true position. In Romans it says there's no condemnation. For those who believe. Amen. I'm glad that I know when I understand there's a battle. To know there is no condemnation is so refreshing for me. Because I know straight away. In fact that should be point one. Because when you see your position in Christ. Then you've got nothing to worry about. See when the battle of the mind comes. If you live your life by the way of the mind. Then you're going to fall flat on your face very soon. But we live by the Spirit. Paul said in Romans that we should live by the Spirit and not by our flesh and not by our mind. So when we see these attacks come, we see these challenges come in our lives, we should understand our true position is that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, amen. And that is because of what Jesus did on the cross. He paid the price. We sung about it earlier that Jesus has won me. He has overcome the grave. He's broken every chain. I love that song. I love that song because it's so true. The lyrics for me, every time I sing it, I sing it with so much passion. People say, why are you getting so passionate? I get passionate because it's true. Jesus has won me. He's overcome the grave. If you have not accepted Jesus and you don't understand what that means, it's not a fairy tale. It's truth. And his truth will set you free. Amen. Finally, I said last week that we should submit to God. We should run to God when we have these battles in our mind that are waging war. Paul said this, that it was like a waging war. That's how he described it in Romans. That it was a waging war in his mind. 
And some of us think sometimes, how am I going to deal with the war? How am I going to deal with this challenge? I get up on the morning, I go to work and I have these issues and, and, and I look at certain things and I think, ah, I shouldn't be looking at that, I shouldn't have done this. And we feel so rotten inside, almost to the point that we, we just condemn ourselves. Remember, there is no condemnation, but we condemn ourselves. The answer is this, point three last week was to submit to God, to run to God, to give these things to God. Amen? If you try to deal with them on your own and you try to battle them in your mind, you are going to fall flat on your face very quickly. So give these things to God. Well, part two today, the title of the message is this, the choice is yours. How many of you know that you have a battle in your mind sometimes when you're a Christian? You have a battle with the whole thing about Christianity sometimes and, and things in the mind. The mind is a powerful thing. But let me tell you today, every single person in this room has a choice. You have the ability in your natural mind to choose things. How many of you know, me and Emma choose certain things, we agree on certain things. After last night's couples training, we are learning to agree a bit better. You know, we, we, we try not to argue in the way I'm on the car of who's right and who's wrong. But let me tell you, we, we sometimes, we, we think a little bit different and we find it hard to choose on certain things. And I like green, she likes another color. When we were choosing the colors in our, decorating our house, decorating really does cause problems. Because I, I, as a designer, when I used to work in my old job, I used to work with colors every day, selecting colors for different things. When we go to the Dulux paint shop and we get the swatches, boy oh boy, there's problems. Because I know what looks right. I know what matches and what's correct. And I am right, really, you know. Not always, no, not always. But it's true, because each of us, we all have our different views on things. This room's full of people this morning who've all got a different view on different things. If we got us all together and had a big debate, boy, we'd never get out of here. Because every one of us have got a mind where we choose. You've got freedom to choose as well. The whole point, some people say, is there a God out there? God give you the ability to choose him for yourself. He's never going to force his way in. I say this when I meet many people. I say the Holy Spirit will never, ever force his way into someone's life. It describes the Holy Spirit in the Bible as a gentleman. Someone who will not gently, but until you let him in, he will not force his way in. In fact, he'll, like a gentleman, if... If we don't want him and we reject him, he'll walk away as a gentleman. And many of us here today, the, the, the purpose of this message is to show you that your mind, yes, you're going to have a battle if you choose him, but actually the choice is your own. When we talked about dedication earlier, I don't know if you've ever been to a dedication service before. Many people say to me, they say, are you baptized? I say, yes, I'm baptized. We did a baptism service. We baptized 13 people uh, in the cafe where you're going to eat your chocolate cake later. I know you've never heard of that either, have you? You know, it, sound, it, it just doesn't sound very biblical, does it? But Jesus, all he wants us to do, it's not about the building. It's not about anything. It's not about the special water. In baptism, it's all about your choice and confession before Christ. The whole point of baptism when we baptized 13 people and we fully immersed them under the water and lifted them back up. There was nothing ever special about the water. In fact, it was a little bit dirty because the pipes weren't very clean. However, the truth is this. It's about what's going on in the heart. 
I meet many people that say, yes, I was baptized when I was tiny baby and, and now I'm being confirmed and all these kind of things. That's all good and well. But let me tell you this. You have a choice to make by yourself. My boys, I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old, Lewis and Jacob. I nearly forgot their names then. I would be in trouble. But I have two boys. And I do believe this, that I have dedicated them to the Lord. But let me tell you, until they make the decision for themselves to follow Jesus and choose for themselves, it's their choice. I cannot force them. Jesus will come in his own time and speak into their lives. And I will pray for them all my life to make sure that God does that and always prompts their heart like a gentleman. And one day, they'll respond. One day, they'll hear that voice of the gentleman, and they'll have the choice to respond. I want to tell you today that what we've done today is not putting a blessing on these children that gives them eternal salvation that protects them and they can leave this building and never think about God ever again. The Bible calls every single person to call on his name to be saved. And when they grow up to an age where they understand, they will have a choice. There'll be a moment to make that choice. I want to tell you today, you're saying, oh, that's, we're talking about the children. That's good. But there's also a choice for every single adult too. Because every single person is going to face in their moment in life when they have to make a choice to follow Jesus. I did it in my life. I remember the day when I, the, the gentle promptings on my heart, my dad had prayed for me for many years. Nights and days on his knees praying for me. I was backslidden. I didn't want Jesus. He prayed for me continuously. I didn't know it. I was at university living my life and doing the things I wanted to do. And I never knew that my dad was on his knees praying. I only find out after. Because he didn't want to force. But then one day the gentle voice of the Spirit of God spoke on the inside of me. Called me. And I had nothing but I could do other than respond. I'm on my own personal journey now. It's not my mom and dad's journey that makes me the Christian I am today. In fact, they're standing with God. My dad has, has stood with God since he was 18 years old. He's now, I don't even, 60, 60 plus. From 18 to 16, he's been a follower of Jesus Christ. But do you know what? Nothing he's done has anything to do with my standing with God. As parents, we love our children. We dedicate them to Jesus. But there is a choice for everyone to make. I haven't even got to my scripture yet. And I said I was going to be short. I'm going to be as quick as I can this morning. But Romans 11, I want us to read this morning. Romans chapter 11, verse 33, we're going to start in. Now what, what I want to just say is, Paul in Romans, just to give you a little bit of background so you understand where we're picking up here. Because we're going to pick up in quite a strange point in this, this, in this part in Romans. But the first part of Romans, what it talks about is this. Paul's spending a lot of time telling the, the church, the Roman church, he's trying to say to them about the justification by faith, the fact that we can be saved by grace. In fact, he's basically telling them, if you read Romans, he's telling them how amazing it is that we can be saved by grace. It's not about our own works. So he spends all this time telling them. And then he gets to verse 33 in chapter 11 of Romans. And if you read your Bibles and you go away and read Romans, you'll see all of a sudden things change a little bit. 
Because Paul all of a sudden gets to verse 33 in Romans 11 after he's been telling everyone how amazing grace it is. How sweet the sound. I'm not going to say what I said last week because I can't remember. How quick the click. If you were here, you'll understand that. But he gets to a point and he says this. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? The the Lord's got a mind as well. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Do you know, just before I jump to the next little bit of scripture I want us to read, in that bit there, if you read it in Romans 11, that is called, and I don't want to get complex here, but it's called a doxology. Yeah, I didn't know what that meant until I looked it up. A doxology in this little bit of scripture that all of a sudden he's been telling everyone about what the good things of God, the justification by faith, all of a sudden he gets to this bit of scripture that we've just read, and he calls it a doxology. In other words, a doxology is a praise and worship. In other words, it's what we've done this morning. It's like he's just been telling people and writing all about the grace of God. He's just been telling everyone about how amazing grace is that you can be saved and you can have a choice to choose Jesus and be free from all your sin and set free and have a life with Jesus. And it's so amazing that he starts to break out in worship. You wonder why we get passionate about worship here. We get passionate because of this. We read, we read our word, we understand what God's done for us and we start breaking out into the old doxology. That's where we're at. That's what my life is about. I come here on Sundays not to sing a few songs and feel good and tell my work friends I went to church and I sung some songs. It's to say that in my heart there is a doxology. There is a praise to Jesus because of what he's done for me. Because of the justification by faith. And Paul gets to this point in Romans 11 and he starts to break out in worship and praise. You see, worship and praise comes from the heart. It's not songs in a hymn book to read out. It's not songs up there that we just sing and hope that God's going to look at us and think, yeah, they sung the four songs Sunday morning, so they'll do. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give them a bit more faith. There's no condemnation for you this week, son, daughter, because you sung the four songs on Sunday morning. No. He's looking at the heart in every single person to say, are they really understanding the grace and are they giving their doxology, their worship to me? Listen to this. We jump just a little bit further ahead in Romans 12 then. Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. Just straight after this, Paul then says this. He says, therefore, it must be there for a reason. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. Come on, he's talking to us all. In view of God's mercy to offer your bodies... As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Listen to this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. 
Whew. He basically says, I don't, I don't know if you ever know this. I used to work, when I used to work in my job and I used to design things and I designed websites and things like that. There's one thing that they say on websites. You find if you go to a lot of well-designed websites, you'll find this, that in, in meetings I used to sit with people and they'd say, how are we going to design this? And we'd say, oh, it all looks fancy and things look good and, and really nice and nice colors. Yeah, green's better. But we used to do all these nice designs. But do you know what they always used to say? What is, in the, behind all the design, what is the call to action? What's the call to action that you're going to put on your web page? Because when people read the information on it, on the home page, there needs to be what's called a call to action. In other words, you're no point letting them just read loads of information what are you going to do about it? There needs to be a call to action that t- sends them to the next thing. Paul here is saying there is a call to action. Because if you get to the home page of Romans, you realize that you read all these great things, what it's offering, this gift of grace. You realize everything that's been offered there on this home page. But if there was no call to action, what are you going to do? It's just information. But he says to you today, there is a call to action. For you, for every one of us, a choice in our minds. We have to do something with this. It doesn't just sit there. You cannot get to the end of your life and say, yes, I heard about it in a church meeting once. I I heard the information about all these good things of God. I heard the worship. I heard the praise. I'm telling you now, I'm giving you a call to action button and it's massive. The choice is yours. It's your own. It's not your kids. It's for you. For every single human being on this planet, there is a call to action. The homepage says it all. It tells you that you have been forgiven of all of your sins. There is no condemnation, but there is a call to action. Paul says this, therefore, I urge you, urge you, I urge you to click the button and accept and do the things of God. And respond. There is a call to action. Today, in this dedication, we realize, don't we, that there is a call to action on Masungi and Malaika's life. There's going to be a call to action in their life. At one point in their life, they're going to know that they need to respond to Jesus. They're going to get the information over the years. They're going to listen to God, the teachings about God. They're not going to be forced into it. They're going to be taught Some people say this, they say, ah, if you do that, I've heard them say it, you're brainwashing your children. They haven't got a choice. I'll tell you what, if you live in this generation, you need your brainwashed. You tell me what's good about outside. You tell me what's good about when somebody goes out and they say, you can't tell them not to drink and do these things and get drunk and do blah, blah, blah. We don't tell them anything. But you go down to the nightclubs on a night into the city centre. And you will see when people are cutting each other up with knives and cutting each other up with glasses. Tell me what's good about this generation. Tell me what's good about what's in their minds. Because without Jesus and his love and forgiveness, you cannot live a life, a true life. He offers this to everyone. There's a call to action. And we're going to have to make our choice. I've made my choice. I know I know where I'm going. It's not about getting a ticket to heaven. I'm telling you that. Do you know what? Every single day at the moment, I'm absolutely loving with Jesus. I am absolutely loving what God is doing in my life. And do you know why? Because I'm laying down everything. I'm saying, Jesus, I want to be used by you. I want to live this life that you promised in the Bible. And I want everything. 
I just want it all, Jesus. And do you know what? I'm not waiting for him to return. And we know the promises in Revelation. He's coming back one day. Do you know what? When you really live the life of a Christian, you're not bothered about Revelation. You haven't got time to think about when he's returning and all the prophecies. Oh, no. Because you're worried about today. Because there's a generation out there that needs to hear this message. The truth of the gospel. There's a call to action. Number one this morning, give God the glory. He said... In this, in this doxology, when he understood this amazing grace, this amazing gift, he sang in praise and worship. And he said this, all oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Who has known the mind of the Lord? In other words, what he did is he elevated God to an amazing position, to the best position, to the highest position. He said, oh, who knows the mind of the Lord? Who knows the mind of God? We're talking about our minds here, but who knows his mind? And he elevates God. Give God the glory in your life. Give him the highest place. Until he's got the highest place, you'll think you're the best thing since sliced bread. You think life revolves around you. Well, I've got some news for you. It doesn't. It doesn't revolve around me either, even though I know the colors, the best colors to choose in the Dulux range. It doesn't revolve around me. It doesn't revolve around you. It revolves around one, and that's God himself. He has the greatest mind above us all because it's his mind that created you and designed you and loves you with an unconditional love. No mind will ever grasp it. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, he says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things of God as revealed to us by his spirit. There it is. The only way that you'll understand the things of God, you'll understand the start to have a little bit of understanding about the mind of God is when you, it's revealed to you by the, his spirit. If you try and look at information, it's not revealed to you by his spirit. You're going to be reading forever. But you need to be led by his spirit. His spirit will reveal to you some of it, the way that God would think about you. Our human's minds this morning will tell us that we're number one. That we're the number one to look after. When we're not, it's him, God himself. Jesus reminded us in Matthew 22 about the greatest command, commandment. He says this in, verse, in chapter 22, verse 35, an expert in the law tested Jesus with this question. He said, teacher, he said this to Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second, he said, is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Listen to this. He says that's the greatest commandment of them all. And he says the second one's like it. Do you know why it's the greatest commandment? Because all of the other commandments hang off it. And let here's some news, news flash. You can't fulfill this commandment. That's why you need Jesus. You cannot do it. It's impossible. The greatest commandment is that we should love God with all our heart, our mind and our soul. We can't always do that. But we're to look at God with our heart, our mind and our soul. Everything we are. Everything we are. 
And some of us, we cannot do this. We cannot achieve it to give God everything he deserves. But I want to tell you, Paul said in this doxology, he lifted Jesus up, didn't he? He praised him and worshipped him. He realized we have to give God the glory. Give God the glory. Number two today, I'm just going to jump ahead because I'm aware of time. But number two, to give God back what you received. Give God back what you've received. Some of us, we, we love, don't we? I love getting gifts. I love getting things. And I love Christmas. I love birthdays. I love all this kind of stuff. But it's hard, isn't it, to sometimes give back what we receive. Okay? Number two today that we should give back. In Romans 11, in that praise and worship time, he says this, For from him and through him and for him are all things. This is what he says in his little worship session. He says this, For from him, that's God, and through him and for him are all things. We sing a song, don't we? You are worthy of it all. Everything comes from you. You're worthy of everything. Everything I have. And I want you to understand today that what you've got in life is not from your own achievements. God gives us the ability to produce wealth. He gives us the ability to have the things we have. And he says in this praise and worship session that Paul has in between writing, he says, I just realized that everything's from you, Lord. I'm lifting you high. I'm giving you the glory. And now I realize, Lord, that everything I have is from you. It's for you. And it's everything that I have is from you. So what does it say? The call to action on this. The call to action when we understand this. He says, Romans 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies... As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In other words, your body, everything you are, you should offer back to God. What we've done today is we, we offer, I offer my body back to God. I say, I want you to take me, use me. I give everything I am to you as a living sacrifice. But what we've done today is dedicate children. We're giving back children to God that's been a miracle baby. We're giving back what's been given to us. We're realizing it's not us who creates he's the one if you're saying oh yeah i mean i love to watch the programs on tv of these miracle births and all these great things and you look at the miracle of life and we think isn't it good how humans can create and this miracle of life but psalm 139 says that he knew you in your womb before you were born he knit you together he's watching every single part of you being built he has a design for every person's life in this room for the rest of their life Boy, we think we're good sometimes, but who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has known the mind of the Lord? In this dedication, we've offered these two children to God. For Masungi and Malika this morning, we said, God, here they are. The parents have made the decision to say, we realize that you, God, gave these to us. You gave these precious lives to us to, to steward and to look after Therefore, Lord, we want to just, we don't want to think that we've done all this, but we want to say, here you are, Lord, have them back, take control over their lives, do something in their lives that they will walk in the path that you designed for them. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, children are a gift from the Lord and they are a reward from him. Next time you look at the children, they are a reward. They're a gift from heaven, a gift from God, and he's given them to you. We should give them back. Some of us say today, well, I haven't got a children. 
I haven't got children. What do I need to give God back? We need to give ourselves to him. We need to give everything we are to him for what he's done. One of the, Some of the ways I've put here that we can do that. Some of you say, well, how can I give my body? How can I give it as a living sacrifice? First thing we need to do is keep them clean. Look after it. Steward it. You know, Sam was saying to me yesterday, it's quite an interesting thing, this. He said in America, it's known. I don't know if the statistics are right, but... That, and I can imagine it true that in some places, obesity in, in America particular is high in the Christian, the Bible Belt areas. And a lot of the reason is because people get so relaxed in thinking about that they don't need to worry about their weight and what they eat because God will just take care of everything. I can totally imagine that that's right. That some Christians start to just believe that why do I need to worry? God will do, deal with this. He's supernatural. Well, they'll tell you something. God gave you a mind for you to choose wisely and to eat wisely. You know, he didn't tell, when you get to McDonald's drive through he didn't say, go on, have six Big Macs because I'll, in fact, when you get home, I'll, I'll supernaturally remove everything that you've just eaten, all the bad stuff. No, he says, I'm going to give you a mind to choose wisely. To choose wisely. I can totally think that that's right. I don't know the statistics, but I can imagine it. Because I I meet people like this. We think sometimes that we're living. It's like we live by fate. He's given us minds as Christians to make good decisions. Godly wisdom. We need to look after what we've got, our bodies. Protect them. Take care of them. Not just leave it aside and say, God, you'll deal with it. Even in healing as well, sometimes we think, oh, you know, we, we, we're just, it doesn't matter if I get an illness. No, we need to pray and say to God, no, I want to look after my body, eat the right things to avoid these things. And also I've put here to exercise self-control, self-control over your bodies. He's worship to God. He's offering back to God. It's saying, God, I'm trusting in your word that says that I should look after and control my body and take care of it and exercise. If we don't exercise and we don't do these things, we're going to get big. We're going to get obese, aren't we? We're going to get, if you don't look after what you've got, you have to. Finally, number three, give God the control. Give God the control. Romans 12, verse 1 to 2, it says this, Do not conform, Paul said, to the pattern of this world. This is his next call to action. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Listen to this. Just stick with me because I'm going to come to finish. I know everyone's eager to get chocolate cake and it's coming. Just think about self-control. Think about everything like that. When you, I'm only saying that so I get more cake, you see. Yeah, there's a method in my madness. But listen. When he says this, here it is again, do not conform to the pattern of this world. When I said it to you earlier, it's not about brainwashing. Out there, there is a pattern of the way people do things. It makes me laugh sometimes, because when I used to be in my old job and I used to talk to people, people almost, they said, what you've been told what to do, and Christianity is all about being told what you should, can and can't do. I thought, boy, oh boy, all, all people do is watch media and TV and they're told what to do in their lives. People out there are like robots. It's unbelievable. Most people are all doing the similar kind of thing. We're told what to eat. We're av- it's advertising tells us what we should eat, drink, do, which we should go to nightclubs, we should enjoy ourselves, do all these kind of things, and we're told what to do. But as soon as you say that God wants you to do differently because he realizes that if you do these things, you'll have a much better outcome, 
He has a plan and a destiny. We're like, no, he's telling me what to do. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I want freedom. I'm telling you now, when I walk out of these doors and I walk out into the streets, I don't see freedom. I see control. I see control over a pattern. It's a similar pattern. It might vary slightly in different shades and colors, but it's a pattern of the same thing and everyone conforms to it. Paul says, call to action. Listen, read this amazing grace. Read this amazing deal you're going to get if you follow Jesus. Look at it. It's clear. It's plain. I've got it. You can have it. It's free. You just have to make your own mind up and choose it. It's your choice. But he says, don't conform to this pattern that everyone else is. But by the renewing of your mind, by the Spirit of God, he says, choose this. Choose God. But what I love is this, the last bit he says. If you do it, you think, well, what am I going to get out of this then? If I I give everything to God and I renew my mind and I follow him, this is what he says you're going to get. Verse 2. Then, if you do it, then you'll be able to test And approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. How many people do I meet who want to know what God's will is for their life? How many people do I know who say, I just want to know what God's will is for me. Will you pray for me? Will you prophesy over me? And I think sometimes all you got to do is do it yourself. Follow the word. Read the Bible. Follow the truths. Don't conform to this world. Conform to God. And he says this, you'll not only know and start to understand his will for your life, but you're going to be able to test. You're going to be, become like a bit of a scientist in this. You're going to be able to test his will because you'll be so in line with God and true to God that you'll be able to test for yourself. You won't need to go and ask someone else to tell you what your, his will is. You will be the one who tests for yourself because you'll be so in tune with God. Do you understand this? He's so good. He says here, call to action. Don't go to the world. Don't conform to this pattern. Be in line with, renew your mind by the Spirit of God. Read the word. Read the truths. Then you'll become a little t- uh, scientist to test what God's will is. Because he'll start to reveal it to you and you'll know what it is. You won't need no prophet. You won't need a prophet. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Isaiah 55, this is before Jesus came along. The prophecies. But God spoke through prophet Isaiah and he said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as high, for as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God has a mind and he has thoughts, and his thoughts and his mind are far bigger than yours. Far bigger. His ways are far bigger than your ways. I don't know who it was. Someone once said, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. It's true. We boast about tomorrow. We boast about all the things we're going to do, who we are, and look at me. And I'll tell you what. The key is this. Just trusting God for his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. His mind is bigger than your mind. He is the mastermind. Amen? There's a pattern in this world that's so easy for us to follow. But he wants us to choose to be salt and light in this earth. Do you know, as I bring it back again to the choices that are made, those kids today, I prayed a prayer over them and I really believe it. But let me tell you, not only do you have to make a choice to not conform to the pattern, but as children we should pray and dedicate them to God 
that God will guide them and direct them and not let them fall into the patterns of this world. That's, it's, our, it's our duty to do that. In the teaching we give, in the Sunday schools, in all the things we do, we're not just doing it to tick another box, but we're doing it to steer these kids to understand the truth so that we'll not conform to the pattern of this world. Amen. You said to yourself this morning, how can I renew my mind? How can I do this? How can I, by the Spirit of God, renew it? How do I do this? I've put a few things here. We should keep our lives in tune with God's word. And also teach it to our children. It's important for you to renew your mind to keep in line with the word of God. I put here that we need to keep a solid prayer life. That's not trying to do so many prayers to please God, but in prayer, in communication with God. That's how we renew our mind when we talk to God. For those who are filled by the Spirit, some people say this. I'm going to speak on this soon, on speaking in tongues. Because I really felt the Lord told me to speak on that. And I want to share on that soon. But do you know that some people say, what, what's the point? One of the key things of speaking in tongues is this. It brings edification to yourself sometimes. It builds you up. If you're, if you're a speaking in tongues Christian here today, then do that to build yourself up. You'll renew your mind by speaking in tongues because you're speaking with the tongue of men and angels. You build yourself up. It says the gift of it is to edify and build up. I found this. When I'm going out and I'm going to pray for certain people and I've seen God do some amazing things. I'm in the car sometimes and I'm proper speaking in tongues and just building myself up. In the spirit. In the spirit of God. In the spirit of God. As I close now. I read this Proverbs 3 verse 5 to 6. It says trust in the Lord. With all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your paths straight. That's a very simple proverb. In fact, that says everything that I've said this morning. I could have just read that. Saved us a lot of time. We could have got the chocolate cake far quicker. But you know, we like to do things long way around here. The choice is yours. The choice is yours today to choose with your own mind, not someone else's. If someone ever dedicated you when you were younger and you've had that experience of dedication, then don't think that what your mum and dad did is the, is the key to you having salvation. It's your choice. And the gentleman, the Holy Spirit, I believe today is speaking to individuals in this room, challenging you and calling you and saying, listen, Son, daughter, you've read the page, you understand it. It's not that you don't understand it. You understand this is free. You understand the gift. But there's a call to action and you haven't pressed the button yet. You've not pressed the button of the call to action. You've not clicked. You've not accepted. You just look at it and get stirred by it, but you don't accept The Bible says this, that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess in your heart and with your mouth, you shall be saved. Amen. Every single person who presses the call to action button shall be saved. 
Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.